Pastor Bader here from Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Thousand Oaks, California. Sitting outside today in front of our church. You can see it there behind me. We are going to continue our study of the small catechism today, picking up with the second commandment. But before we do, I wanted to give a shout out. I think that's what the kids say to our newest uh, mission plant congregation, Foundation Lutheran Church. Uh, up in Folsom, California, in the kind of Folsom, El Dorado Hills area. So if you're up kind of on that, uh, I think it's northeast side of Sacramento um, and are looking for a church, um, take a look at uh, Foundation Lutheran Church. Meet up with Pastor Calpine up there. They are meeting right now at the community center at uh, Folsom Lake College. And uh, hopefully uh, they're planning on starting their uh, worship services here in August. Um, so I'd love to have you be a part of that, support it in any way that you can. As I mentioned, we're going to continue with the, the second commandment today. And before we do, I, I want to just kind of take a couple minutes to, to talk about something that I didn't talk about yet with the commandments because it hasn't really been an issue or come up yet. But that is kind of the, the numbering of the commandments. And, and there's a couple different ways that people typically do it. And I wanted to just kind of quickly address those. So basically, if you look at Exodus chapter 20, you'll notice that there are 14 different commandments that God gives. But no one's ever heard of the 14 commandments. That's the 10 commandments that we talk about. And that is because later on, um, both in the book of Exodus and in the book of Deuteronomy, multiple times, um, there is a reference to the 10 words that God spoke and recorded on the two stone tablets. So we know this is kind of the way that the, the Ten Commandments came about, the Ten Words. Because there are 14, and yet the Bible refers to it as 10, we, we know that there's got to be some sort of combination or kind of conjoining of some of the commands in order to get the 10. And different branches of Christianity, um, you know, kind of group those commandments in different ways. So I just want to talk about those um, just really briefly. There are basically three different ways uh, that people typically do it. And the first way is the way that uh, we as Lutherans do it, or as Luther does it in the small catechism. It wasn't something that Luther started. Um, it was basically the way that um, Augustine, or Augustine, depending on how you pronounce his name, Thomas Aquinas, it's how the Roman Catholic Church does it, um, and then also Luther. So uh, pretty big names, pretty sizable portion of Christianity um, that does it that way, and that is um, the first commandment is, you shall have no other gods. The, the second commandment is, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And, and you'll notice there are th typically three commands kind of given right away when it comes to this idea of worshiping other gods or bowing down or, or not having any other graven images. Um, and we typically lump those all together just in that idea that you're not supposed to love, honor, serve, worship anything other than the one true God. Um, and then where the split happens is later on. When we get to the ninth and 10th commandments, um, you shall not covet. Um, you covet your neighbor's wife, and then really any of his possessions, his house, his workers, his animals, anything that belongs to your neighbor. I'm not really sure why. I, I don't think it makes a lot of sense really to, to kind of split um, coveting into two commandments, but that's just typically the way um, that, a, that a lot of Christians have done it for a very long time. Uh, the second way that you can um, kind of split up or, or kind of combine the commandments is to do um, what I kind of just mentioned. And that is the first commandment, you shall have no other gods. The second commandment then is, you shall not have any graven images. 
And there's a whole history and a whole reason why I think, um, you know, a lot of Christians kind of break that down as, as to a separate commandment. Um, it also has a long history, um, goes back to, to Philo and Josephus, uh, the ancient Jewish historian. Most Eastern churches kind of do that. So the Orthodox churches, Greek Orthodox, uh, even Eastern uh, um, Roman Catholics uh, will kind of break it down that way. Um, then you'll also have uh, the, the large majority of Reformed Christians today and most Evangelicals will kind of have that as a second commandment. Um, and typically it's, you know, it's motivated by, I think a lot of people would say, an aversion to um, having, again, those, those graven images, whether it's statues, types of uh, artwork. That's typically why, why people will kind of break that down the way. But as I said, as, as Lutherans and even as, you know, kind of Western Roman Catholics, we're not saying that you can bow down to graven images. We're not, we're not getting rid, rid of that portion of the commandment. We just kind of see that all as being part of, you shall not worship anything but the Lord your God. But anyway, that's typically the, the second way that people break it down. Um, the third one then, and the one that I prefer, and I, I think probably has the most kind of history behind it, is typically the way um, that even the, the historic Jews um, would break this down. And that is, if you look at the beginning in Exodus chapter 20, the very first verse does not say, um, these are the Ten Commandments that God gives, but that he was giving ten very important words, the majority of which happen to be imperatives, commands that God gives. But uh, the first one, um, if you kind of follow this order, is not a command. It's simply just that first verse uh, where the Lord begins, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of slavery, out of Egypt. And, and it makes sense that the Lord would begin there for a number of reasons. First of all, um, he begins with just reminding the people that the God who is giving these words, primarily these commands, is a gracious God, a loving God, a compassionate God, a God who delivers his people. And, and so he's, he's giving um, a reminder to the people of Israel, you have every reason to trust me and to keep these commands that I'm giving you. Don't forget who I am and what I've done for you. Um, the second reason I think that makes sense is because the first commandment is don't worship any other gods. God gives that command right after reminding them who the one true God is. So um, then you, you can kind of bunch all of those, worship the Lord your God, serve him only, don't bow down, don't have any graven images. All of those can be kind of the, the first commandment or technically the second word. Um, and then you can also combine the coveting, the uh, what we would call the ninth and 10th commandments, you can combine those um, into one at, at the end. And so you still have um, the, the 10 words, nine commandments, but 10 words. Um, like as I said, this kind of has probably the oldest, I, I think, um, tradition to it. This is how the, the, the Midrash, um, which was kind of an ancient um, commentary on the Hebrew scriptures dated about the second century AD but but some of those go back even earlier than that it's, it's not the way that we typically teach it in the small catechism but it is the way that that I think even a lot of Lutherans teach it to um, our catechism students and to people that the first word that God spoke was a, a word of grace um, a word of compassion a word of here's who God is and the reason that it's important for us to begin there is because of the second commandment, and that is, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. What does this mean? And Luther writes in the small catechism, we should fear and love God that we do not use his name to curse, swear, lie, or deceive, or use witchcraft. 
but call upon God's name in every trouble, pray praise, and give thanks. So, the, it's fitting for us to kind of talk about that first word, I am the, the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of slavery, the land of Egypt. The Lord is reminding them who he is. He, he's reminding them of his name. And now he gives this commandment again. And, and think back to what we talked about last time. Sure, they are commandments. They are expectations. However, um, these are things that are so precious and valuable to God that he, he, he puts a commandment around them to protect them. He puts a hedge around them because he wants them treasured by his people. Um, and, and as the Lord calls back and says, here's who I am, here is my name, the Lord, your God. Now God, right away in the beginning, he says, I don't want you to misuse that name. Whereas the first commandment, um, you shall not have any other gods, that, that's a commandment, and, and Luther points this out in his large catechism, that the first commandment um, speaks to our heart, right? What we love, what we honor, what we elevate, what we worship. Now in the second commandment, um, the Lord, our God, speaks to our mouths. And, and again, that makes sense as well, because this is what Jesus says in, in Luke chapter 6. He says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The, the mouth speaks what's in the heart. And so if we love and honor and worship and serve the Lord with our hearts, then, then what should come out of our mouth is much the same. And, and that means that we don't misuse the name of the Lord our God. Well, what does it mean to, to misuse God's name? Well, Luther gives a, a whole list of things and, and we, could, we could add to it, but he gives a pretty, I think, um, inclusive list here. He says, curse, swear, lie, deceive, or use witchcraft. And we'll get to that last one. There's a couple different ways that people have uh, kind of used and translated that word. But the first is to curse, to use God's name to curse. And that is essentially to, to use God's name to, to wish evil upon someone. And God is the one who's going to judge. God is the one who's, who's going to, to bring curses upon people. And so God says, leave that up to me. Don't use my name to do that. And, and obviously we know how, to, how, how that, that sounds and, and what that looks like even today when we use God's name to call down damnation on someone. God says, don't use my name in that way. Um, it's, it's the Lord's to repay. He will avenge, uh, the, the Bible says. So we let him do that. Next one is uh, we don't use God's name to swear for a long time, right? This is what you had to do when you, you, you went into court and you had to serve as a witness. You put your hand on the Bible. You, you'd raise your right hand and you would say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God, right? You're swearing by God. That is an instance where... Um, when it's a, a matter of great importance, right? Um, it, it's, it's an okay thing to use God's name to swear. There's examples in the Bible of people, you know, using God's name to swear. Um, when it's an important matter of, of judgment or matter of life and death. But remember what it is and realize what it is that you're doing, right? To swear by God's name is you're calling God to be your witness. We dare not use um, or swear by God's name when we are telling a lie. Obviously, because that's, Luther says, that's a double sin. Um, he says even more than that, it's, it's, it's heaping multiple sins because it, that's what it, it leads to, right? Reaffirming that lie and covering up that lie. And it's kind of this never-ending process now. This is why the Bible says, right? Let your yes be yes and your no, no. And as Christians, we, we should live and talk and, and act in such a way that when we speak something, people should have every reason to believe us, right? We shouldn't have to call on God as our witness for every single thing that we say. 
because we see this so often with our children. A kid does something and you ask him, right, um, you know, did you do this? And, he, and the kid says, no, I didn't do this. Are, you know, are you being honest? No, I swear. Why is it that the kid feels the, the necessity to do that? Um, not just kids, we do this as adults, right? We do it because, well, we've told lies in the past and we've got to do something now to try and convince somebody that this time I'm telling the truth and so we swear. Right? And, and what greater, more powerful name could we swear by than the name of the Lord God Almighty? And so it, it can become a, a pretty dangerous thing, right, to, to call God to be your witness because God will not be a witness to a lie. And now what you're doing is you're sinning by lying and you're calling upon God to be your witness. Um, and so you're adding sin on top of sin. And so God says, don't, don't swear by my name when you're telling a lie. Also, don't swear by God's name when it's unnecessary. And that would kind of be the example um, with the kid in that case. Um, yeah, I swear to God, um, why? Right? Tell the truth so often and, and, and you should be such a truthful and honest person that when you say something, people have every reason to believe it. Right? Whether or not you swear to God or call him to be your witness, um, let your own integrity, let your own honesty um, be the witness. I think there's, there, there's kind of another um, area in, in regards to this one, and, and maybe it's, it's not really cursing, and I'm not sure that it necessarily fits any of these, but it's kind of using the name of God unnecessarily, um, using it as like a throwaway name. Um, and that is, you, you see this on social media today, you'll, you'll hear it, um, you know, even in, in young people when they talk in texting lingo, Right, and that is um, to say, OMG, right? Oh my God, right? It's just kind of a, a throwaway phrase where we show our surprise by something. What a useless waste um, of God's name. <laughs> Come up with something different. Um, throw away someone else's name to show your shock or your awe. Stop dragging the, the name of the Lord God out of the heaven um, when you're blown away at the new shoes your friend got. What a waste of God's name. But don't use that, don't use the OMG, use something else, right? Stop using, even if it's shorthand, and if you say, well, I'm using it to say, oh my goodness, then write out, oh my goodness, because everybody thinks you're saying OMG is oh my God, all right? Uh, the third one, to lie, right? Kind of, kind of just talked about it, but, um, but I think there's an even bigger picture here. Um, and that is, uh, Luther talks quite a bit in the large catechism about using God's name. And the worst way that can we, we can misuse God's name um, is to teach false doctrine. And if you wonder why there are different kinds of Christians, different branches um, of, uh, within Christianity, it's because we, we take the teachings of, of God and his word seriously. And, and when those teachings don't line up, we're, we're gonna tell somebody, look, this matters, right? I, I love you. I'm not gonna say you're not a Christian, but to say that we agree in all things, to say that we can agree to disagree, this isn't like a, a political opinion or um, your, your opinion on a, on a trade in sports. You can have those and, and you can agree to disagree and, and you can still be friends with somebody. Um, but when it comes to disagreeing on matters of God's Word. That, that's something different because this is the living, active, enduring Word of God. Um, and, and that's important to us. And so we, we don't want to use God's name to lie, to teach something that is not true. And so as Christians, when we see something that is taught where, where, we, think, where we say, 
I don't believe that's what God's Word teaches. Um, that's a serious matter. And it's not because we don't love each other. It's not because we think we're not going to be in heaven together one day. It's because when we look at God's Word and we look at teachings and we say, yeah, I don't, I don't believe that that's, that's what this is teaching. So I, I don't want to stand behind something that I believe is not clear or not true when it comes to the Word of God um, because that would be using God's name um, to teach a lie. That would be a misuse of God's name, God's word, um, what God teaches us. The next one that Luther references is uh, we don't want to use God's name to deceive. And, and there's a lot of different things we could talk about here as well. But one that I'd like to focus on is primarily when it comes uh, to living the, the Christian life. To deceive people would be to say, I'm a Christian, I, I carry, I bear the name of God, and then you live in such a way that is contrary to that. You're deceiving people. You're giving people the impression that God's word says this is okay because you're a Christian and you're doing it, and therefore, you know, God must give it his, his thumbs up, his stamp of approval. Um, and so I, I think that's something, that it's a way that you can deceive people by giving people a wrong impression about God, about his name, about his word. Um, simply as a Christian, by living in a deceitful way, by living in an untrustworthy way. Um, you're kind of dragging the name of God down through the mud in whatever it is that you're doing or saying, um, in whatever way that you're acting. The last one there, um, to, to use God's name in, in witchcraft. When I was growing up, uh, the catechism, I think, used it um, to use God's name superstitiously. And that is just to, to kind of view the name of God, to view the Word of God as, as really nothing more than kind of, uh, you know, a, a lucky rabbit's foot or, um, you know, you cross your fingers. It's, it's all of this stuff that's just kind of out there in the realm of what people would call spirituality. All spiritual matters are kind of the same. Um, and, and to use God's, in, in, uh, God's name in such a way um, is really, I mean, where does witchcraft, where do the dark arts and things like this, that, that's not God's work, right? God has nothing to do with that. That's the devil's work. We have examples in the Old Testament and the New Testament of people trying to use God's name, you know, to carry out, to, to do evil, you know, sadistic work. Um, and, and so this is, is something that Luther includes in his explanation as well. There are positive sides to this though. God wants you to use his name. That's why he gives it to you, right? There are lots of ways that, that God says you can use my name properly. And the ways that he references here, um, to call upon God's name in every trouble, to pray, to praise, and to give thanks. That first phrase, to call upon God's name in every trouble, that's Psalm 50 verse 15, right? The Lord himself says, call upon me, call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. The Lord wants us to use his name, um, to, to call on him for salvation, to call on him for mercy, to call on him for forgiveness, because this is what the God um, of, of heaven and earth, this is what the Lord God Almighty lives to do. That, that kind of ancient prayer, Lord have mercy, right? You're, you're using the Lord's name to call on him in a moment of trouble, in a moment where you need his, his mercy and his forgiveness. And the Lord says, I will deliver you. Right? Use his name for that reason. To pray, right? This is a commandment uh, where the Lord says, don't misuse my name, but we see it used throughout the scriptures where people are addressing the Lord. They're using his name to pray to him. And the Lord says, I, I want you to do that, right? To, to pray to me, to, to call on me, right? Um, so we, we, we pray to God and we address him by name. To praise him. I think of all the things that God has done for us. We have ample opportunities every waking moment of our lives, in good times and in bad, um, to give God praise. Ultimately, because we know, right, that we have salvation in His Son, Jesus Christ. 
Finally then, kind of in the same way, right, to give thanks. To give God thanks for who He is, um, for what He's done, for what He's made us, for what He's promised us, um, and for what we know is waiting for us on the other side of eternity. The last thing, and kind of in conclusion, um, you know, you, you can look at, and we'll, we'll get into this with other ones, but I didn't talk about this time, the active and passive obedience. Jesus keeps this commandment right perfectly by by calling on God's name, by praying, by, by praising his Father in heaven, by giving him thanks, right? We see these examples. The Lord never misuses the name um, of his heavenly Father. And so he gives us that, that status, that credit through faith in him. Um, and, and for all the times, right, we've abused this, for all the times we have stacked lie upon lie upon lie and called God to be our witness for it and called down curses on people and, and thrown away his name like it was just any other name. Jesus takes all of these into his own flesh, takes them in, into his body, becomes our very sin so that he can take it away and replace it with everlasting righteousness to accomplish our forgiveness um, and to give us eternal life. But I think one of the things that I want to point out um, along with this commandment is kind of the connection that it has to baptism. The name of the Lord is the name into which you were baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The name of the Lord is something that is not only precious to Him, right, but it ought to be something that's precious to you because it's a name that you now bear by faith as a Christian. Probably one of the most beautiful pictures of that, uh, in, not in a direct connection to baptism, but I absolutely think it's there, um, is in Numbers chapter 6, right, when we hear the Aaronic blessing, the words we hear at the end of the service every week, the Lord bless you and keep you. Um, the very last verse of that section, right, the Lord concludes it by saying, so I will place my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. The whole reason why the Lord blesses you, the whole reason why the Lord wants Aaron to speak those words, the whole reason why we still speak those words um, at the end of every divine service is because the Lord has put his name on you. He's put his name on you in baptism. And think about the things you put your name on. What does that mean, right? It's something that you, you take possession of. It's something that you take ownership of. It's something that matters to you. If, if it's lost, right, you want people to know that it's yours and that you're looking for it. It's something that you have probably invested a lot of money in. And, and so here's what the Lord says, right? I put my name on you. I've invested the blood of my very son in you so that I could put my name on you. When we talk about protecting God's name, when we talk about how precious and valuable God's name is to him and everything that God tells us about himself, um, God says, I, I also place that on you. And so if God is protecting his name with this commandment and he's put his name on you, here's kind of the gospel promise of this commandment. Um, God is also promising to protect you. And so I think that's a comforting thing to remember that when we talk about, you know, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Yeah, there's, there's conviction there because I know that I have. But in Jesus, I know that I have forgiveness for this. And the connection that we have now through baptism is this precious name of God that he wants protected, that he wants honored, that he wants um, used for his blessing and his purposes. God says, I've put that on you. And so I want you too to be protected and I want you to be blessed. Um, and you, because of me, will also be honored.
So hopefully that gives you a little more depth to the, to the second commandment, or again, what, what we as Lutherans and, and a lot of Christians refer to as the second commandment. Um, yeah, the negative side of it, uh, the, the command, what God forbids us to do, but also the positive side, the blessings that come through using God's name properly and having that comfort of knowing that God's name is on you. Um, you are his possession, you are his treasure that he has invested in greatly and that he refuses to let go of uh, as his very own. Take that with you this week and always, dear Christian. The name of the Lord is on you wherever you go until that day comes when he calls you by name and brings you home to himself. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you again next time. Third Commandment. Take care.